you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. So Bill did spoil my work up to declaring that today is New Year's Eve. I'm beginning to think he might have done this last year too, because this is kind of our stick now. Uh, he talks about an offering and then comes up and talks about the church calendar. Today is New Year's Eve in the church calendar. We are on the cusp of starting year C in the liturgical cycle. All those things that people who uh, get excited about uh, church calendars get excited about. This is a, a major point in our lives. Uh, a year ago, we started the season of Advent, the season of anticipation and preparation, looking back at the story of Christ's first coming and anticipating his second coming, looking forward to the time when uh, he would come and restore things, make things right, to to uh, kind of fulfill the good news of his kingdom. And then we celebrate Christmas as, an, as a day, but then Christmas as a season, this time of uh, looking at the incarnation of Christ where, where God took on flesh, born as a helpless babe. Uh, we, we read that story that is oh so familiar, uh, and we celebrate uh, love enfleshed. We turn to the epiphany season and look at this idea of light coming to the world, a, a new revelation of God. We look at the, uh, the magi, the, the three kings, the however you want to describe these astrologers, coming and celebrating uh, this revelation of God and Christ. We go to baptism of the Lord Sunday where we celebrate that Christ went to the waters of baptism uh, to declare that something different was happening. This this uh, perfectly holy God-man was bringing about a new baptism for the forgiveness of sins, uh, a new baptism in uh, water and in spirit, a new baptism where uh, we could be assured that God loves us. We spend a brief period of time in uh, this epiphany season looking at the life of Christ, and before you know it, it is time for Palm Sunday where we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, riding in where the people declare, Hosanna, Hosanna, God save us. We come into the Holy Week time and look at these great three services of Holy Week. Monday, Thursday, where we go to Jesus' time in the upper room and celebrate this uh, pouring out of his body, this trust of uh, his, his disciples to, uh, to understand what was going on. We turn to Good Friday where we uh, acknowledge that uh, even those who knew him and loved him forsake him in that moment. He was handed over and uh, tried in a way that uh, was humiliating and shameful and embarrassing and hard to, to reconcile with what they knew about God's anointed. And he was hung on a cross he breathed his last breath. People laughed and mocked. And he was tended to by the women. The only people who never uh, left him. The people who were faithful to him. When all the men left and vanished, the women trusted and went about the work of caring for him. We have 
Holy Saturday, this time where we celebrate uh, Christ descending to the depths of hell and rending uh, the very saints from hell, this time of him uh, redeeming the whole created order from sin and death. And then we come to Resurrection Sunday where we declare that Christ not only died, but he has risen. Most of us used to think that Easter just stopped there, but Easter is its own season where Christ appears in his resurrection glory to his disciples, first to the women, and says, you go tell the good news. This, if anybody ever told you women can't be preachers or apostles, they have not read the Gospels because these women were sent to tell the good news. Then the men caught up. Jesus had to show up to them again and again and, 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 and like say, like, hey, I'm here. Let me open the scriptures. Oh, we see you now. Hey, I'm here. Come eat some fish. Oh, I see you now. And then he said, go feed my sheep. He ascends on Ascension Sunday. Pentecost Sunday, we experience this uh, reflection on the Spirit coming in power to enliven us with the very presence of God dwelling in us. This, this moment that begins what we call ordinary time, not because it's plain, but because we count for 26 or 28 or 30 Sundays, right, Tom? We count a long time in ordinary season, this, this time of the church being the church, the church being a, a collective uniting of the people of God who are filled with the Spirit and who believe and who trust and who live that out in faithful service, bringing the very kingdom of heaven at hand wherever we go. And we stay in ordinary time and we trug through these texts that talk about what it means to be the church and we wrestle with the ones that feel really good and exciting and we're like, yes, I can be about that. And then we go to these other texts that are like, I can't possibly do that on my own. The only way I can do that is through the, the strength of Christ, through the Spirit working in me. And then we come to All Saints Sunday, this, this kind of pivotal moment that begins to uh, kind of move our trajectory forward, this, this moment where we, the church uh, militant, the church gathered in flesh, uh, unites ourselves with the church triumphant, the church that has gone before us, the church uh, made up of those saints who rest in Christ. And it begins to set the stage, this anticipation of the time when we would be united in the resurrection from the dead with those saints. We have a couple uh, Sundays kind of uh, jumping from there to today. Christ the King Sunday. The reign of Christ Sunday. A Sunday where uh, we acknowledge Christ's lordship. We look back at what it meant uh, the very first time that he was declared king, what it means uh, today for him to be king, and what it means uh, in the fullness of time for him to be king. In Christ's day, so many missed it. Uh, Timbra asked this question in our Sunday school class. We've been kind of wrestling with, uh, would we have missed it if we lived in those days? Why did so many of the people of Israel miss that Jesus was uh, the anointed one of God? Israel's hope. We get the full picture of Scripture. They had to respond on the fly and, and, uh, and discern and, and wrestle with this God-man who looked nothing like what they expected. You hear it in David's psalm today that, that throughout the, the promises of David, there will be a mighty warrior who will end the enemy through a spear. And Jesus came outrightly rejecting spears as a way of bringing in his kingdom. 
They hoped for a king who would have his mighty men and defeat the powers of the world. This this Roman empire would be toppled, and instead Jesus comes and submits to death by the Roman empire. They had hoped that Jerusalem would become, once again, the epicenter of God's presence in the world. And they're still not even sure that God's presence is there. Some people get it. They understand it. Even even, uh, with their thickness of skulls and the number of times Jesus has to kind of retell the story. And even as he has to keep saying, like, you clearly don't give it, but, like, here's the deal. There's a small crowd that gets it and a larger crowd that says, crucify him. He says he's king. He says he's, uh, he's actually God. He forgives sins and declares uh, rabbinical law uh, null and void. Crucify him. And Jesus submits to that very I have nothing to hide. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, we would come in with soldiers and end this right now. But my kingdom is bigger than this. And so have your way. When his spirit comes, he uh, pours it out on the church and gives us the very uh, ability to trust in his kingdom, to live as kingdom people as we wait for that time when all things are made right. He reigns as the son of man at the right hand of the ancient of days. He reigns. So often we as the church uh, talk about Jesus as our savior. But historically in the life of the church there was this twofold acclamation that Christ is Lord and savior. That it's not simply enough to believe that God has saved us from uh, fiery hell out here or has saved us up to uh, cloudy heaven, that, that Jesus is the Lord of our lives in this very moment. And, and it means that Caesar is not, or Biden is not, or Trump is not. It means that he is Lord and anything else is secondary, that his kingdom is at hand and that we should trust him with the fullness of our kingdom lives. And it's Timber's other question. Why do we trust sometimes and others don't? Uh, and, and I've kind of pushed back and said, why do we not trust sometimes? We come to this table every week and we uh, start with a confession. Forgive us where we've gotten this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. But you know what? God keeps hearing our, our confession and offers us pardon. Christ continues to meet us at the table and offer up his grace as Lord and Savior. And then we look forward this revelation text that give us a strange apocalyptic picture that so often the church has tried to find uh, ridiculous details instead of looking at the fact that Christ reigns, that ultimately Christ will fully defeat the powers of sin and death and will inaugurate the fullness of his kingdom coming. That in the fullness of time, there will be no more pain and no more sorrow and no more tears and no more suffering. There will be no need for sun because the very presence of God will dwell in our midst and illuminate the earth. That we will dwell by the waters. That we will live near the tree of life. Christ is Lord. Will we trust his lordship? Or will we 
step back and say, he's my savior, but I've got this. He's, uh, he's going to deal with heaven and, and earth, and I, I've got now. What does it mean as we begin to head to Advent to, to declare boldly that Christ is king and Lord of all? That in every matter of our lives, we can trust in God, even, this is the other thing from Sunday school, when we don't understand them, that there are things about Christ's lordship that still don't make sense, things about his lordship that we think should be differently. What does it mean to trust him, even in these mysterious moments, these moments that could lead us to to saying, no, this, this can't be right. What does it mean uh, to be the church as we wait? They pushed me in Sunday school really hard uh, on this issue. And, uh, and it was fascinating because I, I love to talk. And sometimes I'll just dig myself a hole, right? And sometimes I'll start asking questions without the answer in mind. And I kind of have to work myself uh, to the right answer sometimes. And, and I think some of it, they've been very kind to me and just let me kind of ramble. But I think we came to something really important about what does it mean to trust Jesus' lordship right now. And we said, uh, the people in this time had Jesus' very presence with them. They got to go ask him questions and hear his sermons. We don't have Christ in the same way. But we have something else. We have the body of Christ together bearing witness to God's love, that there's something in the church that bears witness to the lordship of Christ. We have uh, supernatural moments, moments where clearly there is no other explanation uh, than God at work, and we have the means of grace. We have uh, the Eucharist and prayer, scripture reading, fasting, and uh, gathering of the body, these things that uh, will shape us and form us as kingdom citizens until that time when Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. And so friends, let us not forsake meeting together. Let us not forsake the means of grace. And let's look for miracles from the God most high, the King of kings and the Lord of lords.